Welcome, this is Clinton Donnelly, the Crypto Tax Fixer, and I'm glad to be hosting David Canedo with Glassnode. We explore how taxes and regulations affect our everyday lives. Welcome to the Clinton Donnelly Show, where we explore how taxation and regulations of cryptocurrencies affect your daily life as an investor. Clinton has a law degree in international financial regulation. He is an enrolled agent and certified as a cryptocurrency anti-financial crime specialist. He has clients in 71 countries. He is one of the top experts in crypto taxation in the US. This show is sponsored by CryptoTaxAudit.com, the income tax experts for U.S. crypto investors. Are you frustrated with using online crypto tax services to calculate capital gains? Are you a high-frequency trader, DeFi, NFT, play-to-earn, or quail investor? Nothing is too complicated for the experts at CryptoTaxAudit.com. Are you frustrated that your accountant doesn't understand crypto taxes? Crypto Tax Audit uses a proven, bulletproof crypto tax return methodology to prepare a tax return that doesn't attract the attention of the IRS. Crypto Tax Audit also offers an exclusive audit defense membership service. It's like car insurance for your tax return. If your return gets selected for an audit of crypto reporting, they will defend you at no additional charge for the entire life of the audit. No one offers anything like audit defense membership. Go to CryptoTaxAudit.com to learn more and schedule a private tax consultation now. The opinions expressed in this show are not legal advice. Tax and regulations are complicated. Your situation is unique, so you should always consult a tax professional. Clinton, the last thing that I really want to get your thoughts on, and this is the hottest topic of anything, so I want to see how you feel about it. As you know, the SEC fine cracked in $25 million and they made them shut down their staking service. They issued a Wells notice to Coinbase. Tricks left the UX. The Treasury Department put out a memo about DeFi talking about the risks of DeFi and saying that basically it's all for money laundering. Elizabeth Warren creating her anti-crypto army in the US. How do you feel at the end of the day servicing US taxpayers as an American, how's your sense right now? We're still waiting to get guidance from the Treasury in the 1098. We haven't seen any of that. My suspicion is that that's getting delayed a little bit because we're waiting for the CFTC, for the SEC, all these different departments to kind of take action coherently. And we're just not seeing that. I feel like there's a lot of people right now that as they hear about Operation Choke Point, a lot of people are just nervous about where is the U.S. headed with crypto. I came out with a podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, Will the IRS be a part of Operation Choke Point? I explain in there a possibility, not what I think is going to happen, but it is a possibility. So this is just my personal speculation and not what is happening right now. In 1986, the tax code was changed significantly, and any change in the tax code is designed to promote the U.S. goals financially. One of the goals of the United States is to be the number one place that 
people in the world go to put their money, to be the number one financial hub of the world. This is very clear in a way, of course, with the Federal Reserve currency, with the reserve status, we have the biggest banks in the world, investment funds. We have a very creative and advanced financial structure. And the U.S. government works very hard to stop any attacks on that. For example, in insurance, think about it. In the United States, does anyone get their car or their house? Do they get it insured by a foreign company? No, they can't. Well, why is that? Well, in addition to state regulation, anytime you get a foreign insurer insuring something in the U.S., that taxpayer is subject to a 4% excise tax on the premium. So it's automatically 4% more expensive. That pretty much puts foreign insurers out of business. In the banking industry, we have FDIC insurance of deposit accounts. We don't insure foreign bank accounts, right? We only insure American bank accounts, right? These are the type of things that prop up the banking system. When we get to one of the issues with the brokerage business is mutual funds became extremely popular in the 80s. The easiest way to get into investing, the fidelity grew, exploded, really. The Vanguard, the Janus funds, you know, these all exploded. And there's so much money in brokerage firms. And brokerage firms with mutual funds are subject to a certain amount of regulation, which increases their cost. Well, there had been the foreign companies, European companies, that were offering mutual funds for Americans to invest in, but they did not have to comply with U.S regulations. They were unregulated. And as a result, they were able to deliver better results than typical brokerage in the U.S. So when the tax law change in 1986 came through, they instituted a tax code in Section 1291 called the Passive Foreign Investment Creation Tax. And this is a complicated tax. First of all, to say that the net result is in, in most cases, a person's profits, which include not just the dividends, but also the gain when he, when he sells it and he makes a profit, all of that is subject to a 40 to 60% tax plus a state tax, right? So if you're in California, another 13%, you're up into the 70, you know, 70, 75% tax range on profit. Well, hey, anybody with the right mind would say, well, I'm not going to invest in that, right? Exactly what happened today. Can you invest in non-American mutual funds? No, there's nobody servicing that market. Now, not to be confused with Fidelity offering a mutual fund that invests in foreign companies, that's different. By this simple mechanism of using tax, it destroyed a whole industry of non-U.S. entities going after U.S. investor money. Okay, so that's a little bit of background, how the tax code is a weapon to promote American interests. Now, in March of last year, the Biden administration came out with an executive order commanding all the agencies of the government to work together with the Secretary of the Treasury to come up with a comprehensive strategy for cryptocurrency taxation. They were given six months to come forward with recommendations. They did come forward with recommendations in six months. Most of it pertained to CBDCs. But then Yellen said, we need six more months to come up with additional regulations. Well, March would have been the six months. March came, March went, and there's nothing further. There's not even rumors of anything further. So the question that I ask is, are we still waiting for these regulations to come? Or is it possible that the regulations are already here? Now, the SEC and the IRS are both 
agencies within the Department of Treasury. They report up to Yellen. People think, you know, Gensler is running amok. He's doing his own thing, using SEC regulatory rules that are applying to securities and corporations and applying these, as you cited, to various exchanges, making a seemingly unpleasant regulatory environment, chasing these businesses out of the country. Is he really running amok or is it part of more of a concerted strategy? Yellen has never told him to back off, right? So he's obviously operating with her blessings. It would be a small matter for the IRS to release a notice, simply a notice stating that just as they released a notice saying that cryptos are assets, they can release another notice saying that cryptos will be treated as stocks or securities. And that's a key phrase in the tax code, stock securities, that kind of allude to a couple of variations of the same thing, ownership of a corporation. In section 7701, corporation is defined as a lot of different types of entities, including an association. Association is a incorporated or unincorporated group of people that work together to achieve a common purpose. Well, this pretty much describes a DAO, whether you're the node operators or the validators or the owners of shares and to- coins and tokens. Those coins and tokens represent some element of ownership and control in that DAO. And you have, whether directly or indirectly, a, a voice in terms of the governance of that association. All these laws are in place right now in the IRS. It really, there's nothing more the IRS has to do to regulate this. If we then take this a step further, what would happen if cryptocurrencies are now treated like stocks or securities? Well, the wash sale rule definitely applies, all right? Secondly, there's a lot of things related to derivatives that start to become complicated, but also the PFIC rules, the Passive Foreign Investment Corporation tax would apply because what makes a corporation foreign? It's foreign if it's not incorporated in the U.S. Secondly, DAOs are passive companies. They're passive income companies. Mm-hmm. To meet the PFIC test, you have to have 75% of your income has to be derived from passive activities. DAOs do nothing. I mean, blockchains have a program that automatically spins off blocks to miners and validators. This is passive. The second definition of a PFIC is that over 50% of your assets are generating passive income. It's by definition, the PFIC law would then apply to all cryptos held individually by U.S. taxpayers. Well, that's very scary because now you thought you were going to sell it. Maybe you only have to pay a 15% capital gains tax. Now you're looking at 60%, maybe more. That's terrifying. This is just the IRS point of the choke point. The next step is we know that the major brokerages in the U.S. are working very hard to come up with digital asset offerings. I mean, Fidelity is just advertising left and right for blockchain developers, coders, people that could, they want to offer a robust investment. I was up at uh, a conference and Oppenheimer Funds came. They wanted me to come speak to their institutional investors. Institutional investors want to invest. They want to invest in cryptocurrencies, but they need to do it in a regulated fashion because... They are SEC-governed companies. So I think what you're going to see is that all the major brokerages in the U.S. will start to offer cryptocurrency offerings where you could either hold individually a a coin, just like you can Google stock or Apple. And and maybe they'll do it in such a way that there's a shared key or try to address those things and see what happens. But it's going to be in the possession some degree of the brokerage. Now, these brokerages all understand how to do the regulation. The fact that 
Correct. Beatrix, Kraken, and Coinbase are all squeamish. If you can't play with the big boys, you got to get out of the game, all right? Because mm-hmm. the big boys know how to play this. I would not be surprised if Coinbase unloaded its U.S. operations to a major brokerage house. I think Bank of America, I think, owns the banking services for Kraken. Somebody buys Kraken, at least takes the U.S. portion of it in-house to a regulated brokerage. Easy way for these guys to buy a lot of business, start to offer it in a regulated fashion. When this happens, then what you could do as a taxpayer, faced with the threat of a PFIC tax on your cryptos, is you simply deposit them into a brokerage. And then you can sell them on the brokerage and only pay regular capital gains. You're not subject to the PFIC tax. Well, that's pretty attractive if given that choice. I listen to Twitter and people talk. They go like, no, the government's shooting themselves in the foot. I don't think so. I think Operation Chokepoint is about to unleash the biggest expansion in cryptocurrency that we've seen so far. Why? Because by moving into regulated brokerages, it's going to unleash institutional funds, which are just waiting to pour in to Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other blockchains and offerings. I think it's going to be an accelerator for crypto ownership. Now, you know, that being said, it doesn't really matter what happens I don't want to offend all my XRP clients, but, you know, there's a big court case. People Mm -hmm. think either SEC wins or XRP wins, and that's not how it works. The whole thing with the Howey test, the Howey test is what a judge came up with. And all we need is a judge to take the Howey test and just stretch it a little bit more, broaden the definition of corporation, broaden the understanding of what a board of directors is. And next thing you know, you've got a much bigger definition of corporation that embodies the evolution of blockchain and DAOs and, and cryptocurrency. You know, this is what I think is going to happen as I look at regulation. This is how the U.S. is going to attract foreign investors into the U.S. brokerage system. Remember my goal? I said at the beginning, the U.S. wants to be the number one place people invest their money. Well, institutions and in other countries want to invest in regulated brokerages. They're going to bring that money to buy cryptos at Merrill Lynch, Fidelity, Vanguard, you name it. And it's going to be incredible. Will they illegalize crypto ownership? No, they'll make it painful, but there'll be ways around it without having to go criminal. When is this going to happen? CBCs have to come out. I don't think the IRS is going to play their card until some brokerages are at the point where they're accepting crypto asset ownership by their clients. So I think once those things start to happen, and they probably are dependent on SEC regulation, then I think, oh, this is all going to pop open. I think it'll happen probably next year this time, in the springtime. Thank you so much for that explanation. I think, you know, funny, like I'm on your show and then you're the one deep diving into the topics. But, you know, honestly, you did a fantastic job explaining and going back into the parallel with the history as you went through, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to disencourage investing in, you know, foreign investments and do it through the tax code, I suspect you're probably onto something with that because, again, if we look at Bitcoin, okay, we know that Bitcoin is different than 99% of the cryptos. You know, it's its own asset for all the different things that Michael Saylor can explain. Uh, you know, Ethereum is definitely, it's probably its own animal too. I know there's been a lot of controversy. Is it a security? Is it a commodity? There, you know, TBV, obviously a lot of the stuff out there uh, are scams right now. But when you look at it and you realize that, okay, Bitcoin is not going anywhere. Ethereum, there's a lot of use cases. And then you start to follow the dots. You know, you hit around the head too. Like I open up my Fidelity account. Now I'm located in Arizona, so I can't open up an account to trade crypto with them. It's one of the states are not offering it yet. But point being, they are offering Bitcoin and Ethereum. And you notice that it's the two assets that have the least regulatory controversy right now. 
So I guess I don't know with 100% certainty that you're right in that sense, but it does seem based on the little steps and kind of everything that's happening that that's the way they're going to go. Probably not going to say, hey, US citizens, you can't touch crypto, but they're going to try to keep everything within a box that they can control. And as you alluded to it, within the broker dealers box. I mean, they've been doing this for a while. They know how to do it. The interesting topic then is going to be the transition period. So we know we got to wait for the 1090A regulations. How is that going to look? You know, I, there's a lot of people that are trading crypto on DeFi that have crypto on their hardware wallets. How do you transition? What does that look like? Are you going to try to box everything out and not let, you know, DeFi interact with the crypto that is traded on brokerages? I don't know, but I think it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out over the next year or two. Yes, I think with broker-dealer arrangements, how will they look at DeFi? How can they create and support open environments? You know, they'll probably set up offshore funds that they invest in because they can, and those funds can leverage the DeFi exchanges through the hedge fund industry. I just think that everybody's saying, you know, that the U.S. is shooting themselves in the foot, I, that Gensler is a nut job. I think it's far more sophisticated than that. And it's kind of like in jujitsu, right? The key is to use as little effort to cause your opponent to hit the ground. And that's really what an IRS notice saying cryptos will be treated like stocks. You know, that's the jujitsu move. It just takes everybody out and it is massively transformational. There's no rush on this. And one question will be, is it retroactive? There's be interesting questions that'll come up, but we'll see what happens. But I think we are still on the cusp of a, of explosive industry. I think companies like acquainting will have the opportunity i'm sure you'll be approached at some point by large brokerages to have you come in and run the tax aspect of their calculations even still because they can't convert their current stock solutions to hand cover the complexity of crypto so i think there's going to be a lot of need for that ultimately there's no tax on hodling it's encouraging news and a lot of my maxi investors are hodlers and you know there's no tax and if the pfic law comes in you know it's just when you want to sell it, you move it into a brokerage, so you avoid the tax and uh, the BFIC tax, you just pay regular capital gains. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for tax professionals like you and I to continue to develop this industry. I think the U.S. wants to be the world's leader. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. You know, based on everything that I know in my own personal experience, I wouldn't disagree with that. I certainly hope you're right. Hard to get a sense, you know, without having without having access to more inside information, had a hard to get a sense because you see all the noise and you, you know, you see the noise on Twitter, you hear it. But I mean, again, I would agree with you that the U.S. generally is not going to say, okay, we're giving up. We know that we're going to let the EU and other parts of the world take over this industry and we're going to play back into the 1970s banking. Oh yeah, it's definitely, all the banks want to do this. They want to do it and they're going to do it in a comprehensive, sane manner. I hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast. David and I, we always start up, we set up a half hour call to talk and like an hour and a half later, we're still talking. My wife says dinner's ready and we just, we could just shoot the possibilities forever. We always love talking to you, David. You're one of the smartest guys I know in the crypto field and super glad that over at Glassnode acquainting, they have you and give them inspiration and leadership on how to challenge the changing tax environment. So this has been super good. I hope you'll come back on my show again as you guys do some new things. I'd love to explore and discuss it with you. Linton, I'd be more than happy to do so. I always love talking to you. I mean, you have a very good perspective on things, you know, even right now and the regulatory things. 
maybe next time we can do it in person over a couple of live beers or something. That sounds good. I would like that. <laughs> then the conversation will get wilder. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I think we, well, I think sometimes, especially in crypto, we need to go to the deep end, right? Very much. Well, hey, I would just want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you very much, David. If you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe, share with your friends, tweet. I appreciate every subscriber. If you make a comment or have a question, please DM me on Twitter at CryptoTaxFixer or leave a question on YouTube and I respond to all of those. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And as always, taxes are sexy. Yeah.